Welcome to the Wildlife SOS Elephant Tales podcast. This is Dana Wilson, Director of Marketing Communications for Wildlife SOS. I am sitting here with Tom Sharp, and we are going to talk about star tortoises today. Tom, welcome. Thanks, Dana. Hey, what can you tell us about Indian star tortoises? Well, the star tortoise is a medium-shaped tortoise, and by that I mean they get to be roughly a foot long. The females are slightly bigger than the males are, and on each scoot on their shell, they have a little yellow center with yellow lines that somewhat radiate from that center, which gives it somewhat of a star appearance, and that's how they get their name, star tortoise. Tell us about their ecology and uh, describe their habitat and um, where they can be found in India generally. Uh, females tend to attain in the wild sexual maturity around six to seven years of age. And the breeding and nesting seasons coincide with the monsoons. So they start to breed when it starts to rain. And then the males will compete for the females. And the males will actually do battle uh, like many tortoises do. In fact, the males will try to knock each other over. And then a male will mate with the female who then later produces eggs. She digs a hole in the ground for these eggs and then buries them with dirt. And she usually has two to ten eggs and she can have two clutches or two sets of eggs um, each season. But actually there isn't a lot known about star tortoises in the wild. Tom, um, tell us a little bit about the differences between turtles and tortoises. To put it simply, turtles are usually associated with water. Uh, and tortoises are more of a dry land animal. That's really the big difference. Star tortoises are generally found in dry forests, grasslands, or shrub and scrubland areas. There are no subspecies characterized, so technically they're all the same species, subspecies. But the populations are somewhat separate, and there are some little differences. For example, the Tortoises that are found in Karnataka on the Deccan Plateau are much more colorful than the ones found in northwest India. Are star tortoises listed as endangered species? It's a good question. Actually, under the IUCN, they are presently listed as vulnerable. They were just listed as vulnerable in 2016. If you go back to the year 2000, they were listed as least concern. But now, due to the loss of their numbers, they've been upgraded to vulnerable, which is endangered, in essence. Now, the listing in India itself has also changed. Up until 2019, this was actually listed as a Schedule 4 animal. Now, under Schedule 1, which they are now, just as of 2019, that affords them the same protection that tigers have and that elephants have. So... We're seeing an increase in the protection that star tortoises are afforded across their range. What are some of the current threats that they face? The biggest threat right now, like most wildlife, clearly they are losing habitat, of course. But really the big threat to this species has to do with the pet trade, the exotic pet trade. This goes back over 20 years where the star tortoise became quite a popular tortoise to have on the trade and and they were being smuggled out of India by the thousands, literally by the thousands. There was a report in 2014 
that more than 55,000 individuals were collected from just one location in India. You can imagine how that could devastate and nearly kill a population, if not kill it. There seemed to be a targeting for this species because there was an increasing demand for this species, and the tortoises were being smuggled out often through Malaysia and into the rest of the world. So this appears to be the biggest threat, although certainly there are other threats as well. I mentioned losing wild habitat. They are eaten sometimes as well by the locals and apparently can even be used as aphrodisiacs in some areas. But largely what's driving this issue we're having with star tortoises is the exotic pet trade. So this group of star tortoises that we're talking about today ended up in Singapore, um, which is a crazy journey for a tortoise. Um, tell us tell us about how they got there and what happened. Well, these tortoises, as I mentioned, a lot of the trade was going through Malaysia, places like Singapore, Kuala Lumpur. And these tortoises were confiscated in Singapore by the Singapore government authorities. After confiscation, the tortoises were then handed over for housing to the group called Acres, the Animal Concerns Research and Education Society. Had taken these tortoises and they were taking care of them in captivity. Where we actually come into play is that initially they reached out to us and that's how we got involved with these tortoises. So we have uh, more than 100 star tortoises from India that somehow found their way to Singapore. When did we get involved in the process? Kartik and Gita, our founders, met with this team in Singapore and checked on the physical condition of the tortoises. And there was some talk about, well, could these tortoises be repatriated to India? What would that look like? How would this happen? Through Kartik and Gita, as well as Mr. B.K. Singh and the Chief Wildlife Warden of Karnataka. They carried out a physical exam of the tortoises at the Singapore facility where they were housed. And it was concluded that these tortoises were probably in good enough health to be repatriated. Clearly, that's not the end of the story. Kartik and Wasim had to work the Karnataka forest offices to get the proper paperwork. Also, they had to get the proper work from CITES as well, so those tortoises could be transferred back. And we got a lot of help um, from a lot of donors, including Singapore Airlines actually agreed to fly the tortoises back for free. We actually ended up sending a team out led by Dr. Arun, Dr. Arun is a Director of Research and Veterinarian Division for Wildlife SOS. To check on the health of the tortoises, to work with their vets, so that there was a true collaboration here. Because we wanted to make sure we knew exactly what was going on with these tortoises, how they were being handled, what was working for them, what wasn't working for them. Luckily, this all went quite smoothly, although it did take a large amount of time, and eventually these tortoises were brought back to the Deccan Plateau, the general area where these tortoises were taken from in the first place. Tom, it's interesting that, that these laws are meant that are meant to prevent smuggling. 
make it more difficult for us to repatriate these tortoises too. I mean, they probably made it to Singapore in somebody's suitcase. Responsible organizations like Wildlife SOS look at it completely differently, and we want to do it legally and bring them into the area where they're supposed to be and uh, make sure that we're watching out for their health. Yeah, it's it's very true, Dana, that it is funny that how much paperwork we go through when we're actually trying to do the right thing. And, and you know, doing the paperwork is the right thing. So we were happy to go through it for this cause. But, yes, it is ironic. It took a long time. And I'll tell you what else. It's quite expensive. It was quite expensive to get these back, where if you looked at the cost to smuggle them out, it probably wasn't nearly, nearly the case. So... Uh, releasing endangered wildlife back into their natural habitat is a huge responsibility. When there are so few of an animal out there, their value is immeasurable because they mean so much to the world. Can you tell us about the planning, research, and challenges that went into that? Yeah, there really was a lot of work that went into getting these guys back and then eventually releasing them. The first step, obviously, was to make sure the tortoises that we brought back were healthy. Now, although Acres had over 100 tortoises, we were hoping to bring them all back. We certainly made the decision to only bring back the healthy ones, which could be eventually released back to the wild, the ones that would be ready to go in the foreseeable future. And to bring these tortoises back, obviously, they weren't smuggled in a suitcase. We had special crates built and worked with the airlines to make sure that the conditions were right for the tortoises to go back. And as I mentioned, we sent out a team to accompany the tortoises, to pick them up from acres and then everyone going to the airport and then all flying back to India with the tortoises and then unpacking them, as it were, and making sure everybody's okay and they're in good health upon their return. So that 51 tortoises actually made it back to India. Now, in terms of releasing them back to the wild, there are several things you have to take into account on that. One is, were these tortoises from this general location? And they were. And then, well, where are we going to release them? Where can we give them protection? Now, luckily, Wildlife SOS has a field station uh, on the Deccan Plateau where we wanted to re-release these tortoises. That field station has largely been used for a center for our sloth bear research, but also we have some anti-poaching patrols going out of there and what have you. We had never done tortoise work per se before, but this was the ideal location. It's a well-protected area. We have a presence there. We could build a pen for a soft release there as well, which we have to this day. So this was the perfect location, and of course we had to get permission from the local authorities, and the Karnataka Forest Office has final say on all this, and they worked very closely with us. And Dr. Swami led the efforts to secure the IUCN permits in South India to facilitate repatriation. The Government of India and the Ministry of Environment, Forest, and Climate Change was extremely helpful in facilitating permissions. So it was a a long process, and in fact, the process is still going on because all of the tortoises have not been released to this point. And then, of course, again, we didn't simply want to release the tortoises. Okay, we've released them, and that's the end of the story. No, of course not. We wanted to know 
how they are doing. And if also we could collect some data so we can analyze how successful this was for potential future efforts. Um, to that end, what we did was to put transmitters on 11, well, initially we put transmitters on 12 tortoises. One of our transmitters didn't work. The other 11, we put on the tortoises and did a soft release with them. And we've been basically tracking them ever since um, to make sure that they're doing well and to collect data on their movements and their diets and other part of their natural life cycle. Because as I mentioned before, there really isn't much known about these tortoises in the wild. So this is also, this is an opportunity not only for us to make sure that these do well, these tortoises do well in the wild, but we can learn from them. Tom, what decisions did the team need to make before um, taking on a project like repatriating tortoises? Once we knew that this was possible politically and we could work with the forest office, it, the other question would be where to reintroduce them. So clearly for us, because we have these tortoises in Banergata National Park, which is right by where our sloth bear center is in Bangalore, but we also have them where we're doing sloth bear studies out by Hampi, which is in on the Deccan Plateau. And we know they're still there because actually doing our camera trapping for sloth bears, occasionally we'll actually get a an Indian star tortoise. So this was a big decision where these animals should be released. What's best for the tortoises? What's What's better habitat? Where might they be better protected? And in the end, it was simply decided to release them by our field station on the Deccan Plateau. What what kind of range? I mean, a roaming tortoise, what does that look like? <laughs> you know what tends to happen with tortoises is when they're first released, they make a wild run for it. And, you know, they don't move very fast, but they will move quite a bit. Um half mile, mile, they'll kind of just go until they find something that they seem to like. And then most of the tortoises will settle down in a relatively small area. Now, what that area is, that's what we're still collecting data on. So I don't want to speak out of turn, but that seems to be what's... I've talked to other tortoise biologists, and that's exactly what they told me to expect when we release them. And that's certainly what we're seeing I was out in November with Dr. Arun and Swami, who's our lead field biologist, and the rest of the team as well, Yogaraj and several others at the field station. And we were able to put the transmitters on the tortoises and, and get this project going. So once they had the transmitters on them and they were good to go, and now it's been over seven months, and I'm happy to report that all 11 of the tortoises that are back in the wild are doing very well. We've been following them. One moved through an agricultural area where our team was able to even meet with the family who owns that farm and they were fully aware and very fully cooperative. We haven't had any problems with the tortoises getting through the dry season, which is kind of our biggest concern. Now we're in the monsoons again. So there's a lot more food now than there was before. So we're very happy about that. Now, initially, our plan was to release many more tortoises by this point. But 
obviously Corona uh, has had an effect on that. We are still planning on to release more tortoises as they're ready. In fact, we're getting close to releasing another batch, but everything was pushed back due to what's going on in the world today. Uh, besides coronavirus, and you you mentioned the one of the transmitters that we had a problem with, what other sort of challenges did we have with the release? So for the soft release, the first thing we wanted to do is make sure these tortoises were comfortable in their habitat. There's somewhat mixed data on this, like how long you keep them before releasing them. It seems to be a minimum of six months. We had our tortoises in these pens for close to a year. They were well acclimated to the weather of the area and doing well. But since then, we haven't had many problems, to be honest. Do they have predators in the wild? Um, I mean, what are their biggest threats in the wild besides humans, of course? Their threats from wildlife are minimal. There are animals which will go after them, such as jackals, something along those lines. But they don't have too many. Their biggest problem really is humans just picking them up. Yeah, yeah, they're beautiful tortoises. So They really are beautiful tortoises. Um, that, that coloring, especially on the ones from down south, is spectacular. And unfortunately, that's part of the reason that they're in the predicament they are now. So Tom, what have we what have we learned from this worldwide tortoise chase through the black market and uh, <laughs> repatriation? It's a fantastic story. Well, I know that we're interested in when tortoises are smuggled out of the country, we hope that this is a good story and this is 51 tortoises. But as other tortoises are confiscated, we would hope to be able to repatriate more. If we have great success with this program, there's potential to repatriate more and more tortoises back to where they're from. And we hope that that can be back in the future for these animals. So I would say a big part of what we learned is that this is possible. If there's a political will and... Uh, support to do these types of things, it looks as though this can still be successful to get these animals back to the wild. Yeah, Tom, you bring up a good point because that's a that's a real component of enforcement. Um, strengthening enforcement for wildlife poaching um, is a fantastic thing, but what happens to those animals that are seized? And so I think we're doing some great research that goes into um, opening up those possibilities for repatriating and and, uh, making sure they end up back in the wild where they should be. Yeah, I agree. And we're learning so many things, right? We are learning, can they be repatriated successfully? Then we're just learning about the ecology of the tortoises as well. So we really are still in the midst of, as this project moves forward, learning so many different things that can be useful for the future, for the conservation of this species. This has been a truly unique project for Wildlife SOS, and it wouldn't have been at all possible without the approvals and the cooperation of the state government in Karnataka and the Forest Office. So we really want to extend a thank you to them, as well as to Acres in Singapore. They've been a great partner on this. Uh, They're a wonderful group. So to everyone, um, all the people and all the groups that have helped with this project, just a big thank you. And who is on the Wildlife SOS team? 
The main people on the Wildlife SOS team, it's been led by Dr. Arun, who being our lead vet, as well as many other things, um, took a lead role in this. Swami, uh, who is our lead field biologist, has been running this along with Yogaraj, and I don't want to kill his last name. He's one of our great field biologists in India as well, who's been taking a lead on this project. But there's been so many people who have really added to this. And clearly, it starts with Kartik and Gita just getting the permissions, looking into this and seeing what can be done, and then on down the line. Thanks, Tom. This is a great success story. And if you haven't seen um, how beautiful star tortoises are, log on to wildlifesos.org. And uh, we even have some photos with tiny little transmitters on the back of beautiful tortoises. It's worth seeing. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, David.